turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank Discussion with Passion on CJD 800. Welcome to the Friday edition of Passion where just about anything goes. But I must warn you, I'm not completely on my game tonight. It was a bit of a rough day. I'm not a big complainer, especially when it comes to the weather. But today... Today, I leave the office, I go to my car, which was not parked in a snowbank at the time, and there's like three feet of snow that a plow went by and completely buried my car. Of course, I had no shovel in the car. And it took me about an hour, thankfully with the help of a a lovely young man who I begged to pay. I said, I'll pay you, help me out of here. We refused to take my money, which I thought was really sweet. He actually said something fun. He said, my mother would kill me if she found out I took money for helping somebody. But I was desperate. One hour after having borrowing a shovel from some stranger's house that I knocked on somebody's door and tried to borrow a shovel, killed my back, soaking wet. And uh, anyway, bottom line, uh, soaking wet, backache, all stuffed up. What I learned today, keep a shovel in the trunk of the car and wear better gloves. (laughs) That's it. So I am a little stuffed up, so please forgive me if I take a little few seconds break to to have a glass of water here. Um, Anyway, tonight on the program, we will talk, uh, as we do, uh, some latest research on sexuality uh, and relationships. I want to talk about who experiences more loneliness, men or women, gender differences in with a relationship breakup, the um, issues that most people complain about when it comes to online dating in therapy from uh, the perspective of several therapists. And um, next week is uh, Safer Internet Day on Tuesday, February 11th, so I could tell you a bit about that. And then you heard about last week, uh, This Smells Like My Vagina candle. Well, now there's a candle called This Smells uh, like my penis. There you go. But first... Calling's not the only way to connect. The inbox is easy and always open at 514-800. Somebody texted in. So are you now ironically complaining about having been stuck in traffic then? I wasn't stuck in traffic. There was no traffic. The driving was beautiful. That is, I am not complaining about whatsoever. Um, All right, just I want to catch up with some um, feedback from last night. Last night we had a woman who texted in because her partner, um, who is not very experienced sexually, uh, refuses basically or doesn't want to or doesn't initiate uh, giving her uh, oral sex. So a couple of people said, uh, most men love going down. The few that do not are just not in tune. I highly doubt he had much experience with women. He is missing out on a truly erotic, sensual experience. He is lacking the lust and losing himself in uh, sex. Someone else says, I agree with your texter who wants her oral pleasure. How many men do you think would stay with a partner who could not have an orgasm with? Zero. Many women can't have one without oral stimulation, and it can be a relationship deal breaker. I, and most women I know, would not go far with a partner who won't give oral sex, and if he doesn't give it, he sure won't get it either. That, there you go. 
thank you for that feedback. And by the way, anytime you want to text in your thoughts, whether it's your thoughts on a particular question that I'm answering or your thoughts on a study or a particular topic, then uh, you can text me at 514-800. You can also email me your questions, by the way, during the week, anytime to Lori at Dr. Lori. Uh, Texture writes in, thanks for the advice on vaginal cleansing. So I had answered that one. Uh, so why do some women douche? Uh, rephrase, what is the purpose of a douche then? So that's a very good question. Why do women douche? Why do these things even exist? You know, a long time ago, there's a lot of myths surrounding uh, sexuality and female sexuality, right? So it was believed that uh, women are somehow unclean or dirty and women are made to feel that way simply by the uh, advertisements that are out there or things they hear or the products that are being sold. But put it this way, it's like a company creating a problem to sell a product. We know that vaginas are self-cleaning organs. They do not need and much more than soap and water. Unless you have an infection, then you got to treat the infection. But that's it. Douching is harmful to women. It's uh, There's nothing that I know of that is a positive thing. Unless a doctor tells you for, I, I can't even imagine what reason would be. I'd have to ask a gynecologist. But uh-uh. Um, so I, I think it's, it's really, if you look at all those products that are out there that are sprays for the, for the vulva and, you know, uh, nice smelling stuff and whatever, it's only because women are insecure and these companies are banking on, uh, women's insecurities. And so they're, they're pre pretty much preying on that. And this is how they make their money. So it is, you do not need any sprays. You do not need any douches. You don't need any of that stuff. All right. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Somebody says, how yelling at me, how could you possibly leave the house during a snowstorm without taking the obvious necessary precautions? Uh, because, um, I just figured my car will get me out of anything. And yeah, that was, um, I learned my lesson. What can I tell you? I will not leave the house without a shovel in my trunk anymore. I promise you. Don't worry. Uh, another one says, my wife drives a Jeep and she thinks the shovel takes up too much space in the back of her car. I think somewhere in my garage I have one of those foldable shovels or, or what have you. That's not even the point. The shoveling part of it that that stuff is heavy because it's chunks and chunks of snow and ice that the the truck moves in and that's how I hurt my back usually I'm a really good shoveler I don't mind shoveling but this whoa this was like on another on another level believe me I was very happy when this young man Darren showed up and uh helped me uh helped me do this uh let's see how many strokes does it take this is actually a very good question. To get to the center of a woman's orgasm. You're, so you're asking, how much thrusting do you need to, for a woman to orgasm? What if I told you, none. What if I told you that for most women, it is not about the thrusting at all. And that you could thrust for 
a thousand times, a thousand thrusts, and it still won't get her to orgasm. Why? Because for the majority of women, more than 75%, they need the clitoral stimulation. So if you spend a minimum of six minutes that we learned last week, there's a study done on that, how long it people want or need to feel satisfied a minimum of six minutes on foreplay and oftentimes women need a a good 20 minutes of stimulation before the penetration because they their orgasm will generally come before intercourse that's not to say that women don't enjoy intercourse by the way um it it can be a very pleasurable feeling of course but not necessarily bring uh women to orgasm. So, uh, if you want that, you should ask how much time should I spend on foreplay? That would be a better question. And the answer to that is a minimum of six minutes, (laughs) but you have to be in tune as one texter said in tune to your partner. What is it that, uh, your partner needs? Or as this one texter writes in, it's all about the tantalizing of the clitoris, the playing with the clitoris, the, the stimulating in many different ways, oral and, and finger or with a toy or what have you. If you can manage to stimulate the clitoris at the same time uh, as intercourse, so you'd have to find the positions where you have uh, ex- you know accessibility to it, then uh, that would really be your best bet. So, uh, but that's a, that's a really good question to, to reduce it down to, you know, how much thrusting is, is necessary. And I think a lot of guys probably think that, and then they worry. It's like, how come uh, this is why they think they have to last longer or much longer, right? Uh, so coming up, uh, we are going to talk about all kinds of things like uh, the ideal length of a first date, who experiences more loneliness, the online dating issues people complain about, and so much more, and anything else you want to talk about. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Just a couple of texts here uh, to continue with the, our questions. Stimulate and seduce her mind and her body will follow. That's, I'm sure, from a woman. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Uh, I dated someone that thought when you give a blowjob, you should rub your teeth, and I hated it. It was painful. Hello, speak up, speak up. When something hurts you, you say so. That's really important. All right, the online dating issues people complain about most in therapy, and I'm sure you have your own complaints. So I I want you to think about it. What are some of your complaints if you have been dating, whether you're using apps or online dating or what have you? So here are the top, uh, let's say the top five or six. So being on dating apps feels like a part-time job. You know, people feel they have to spend so much freaking time, like, a lot of people are on like multiple dating apps and then they're on, uh, you know, other like web related apps. And so they have to monitor their matches. They have to swipe, they have to, uh, send notes back and forth. They have to respond. Like that's a lot of time. Who has that kind of time? So I think, yeah, I totally get it. It must absolutely feel like a part, like a part-time job and it must be, overwhelming sometimes, disappointing oftentimes, and certainly uh, time-consuming. And frankly, if the solution to that is take a break, 
Like you don't have to, you know, tell yourself I'm going to do this for 20 minutes out of my day and put it away. That's it. Or if you need to take a longer break, do it. I know plenty of people who go off the apps, on the apps, off the apps for three months, go back on again and, and do it that way so that they are not, uh, completely, uh, consumed by it. Another complaint is, uh, we started chatting and then there was radio silence. It's one thing to get like rejected in, in like in person. <laughs> it's, it's another when you just feel rejected before you even meet someone. It's uh, there's a, so the, the key here is don't invest. Like when you are just talking with somebody, don't put all your eggs in that basket. Don't invest too much emotion into all of that and into what they write to you. Uh, take it all with a, a little grain of salt until you actually meet. Another com- uh, common complaint is I'm matching with the wrong type of person. You know, they keep saying, well, I keep attracting the same kind of person time and time again. Well, maybe you should look at your profile and maybe you should look at what are you coming off as someone who, um, who just wants a good time. If you really don't like, don't pretend you, you just want to have friendship or casual. If what you really, really want is a, a, a long-term relationship. Another complaint is first dates feel like interviews and no one lives up to their profile or my expectations. And that's, that's a big common, uh, complaint because for a lot of people, online dating can feel really, uh, fake a little bit like people's lives on Instagram. You know, this is only one snapshot of, uh, of their best face, right? Their, their, their best selves basically. So it can feel, uh, rather fake. So maybe what you need to do is set yourself like a dating minimum, you know, get, see them two or three times and then, um, see if it becomes more sincere, more real or what have you. Another one is, um, online dating feels too, uh, superficial. Oftentimes who we are attracted to in the real world is often very different from the idealized version that we seek online. And we have to be aware of those expectations as well. And then finally, I'm out, I'm totally out of decent matches. It's like when you're on there long enough, it's the same people. I hear this complaint. It's like if you're on, let's say four different sites or apps, it's the same people on all the different, on all the different sites and apps. So people feel like I've, I've pretty much exhausted all my possibilities like in Montreal. Well, extend then, you know, the only option is, is to extend your, extend your, your net, widen that net a little bit. So here's an interesting idea. Uh, have you ever been uh, crushed by an ex? Well, the San Antonio Zoo is giving you a perfect opportunity to mend that broken heart. On Valentine's Day, it is hosting their first ever Cry Me a Cockroach event. Okay, listen to this. You will be able to name a cockroach after your ex This is what they say. And we will serve it up as a snack to one of our animals for only $5. 
If your ex was a snake, you can even name a rat after them and we will feed it to a reptile for $25. The certificate you will receive can be shared on your own social media pages. <laughs> on February 14th, we will be live streaming our Cry Me a Cockroach Feeding Frenzy. Birds and reptiles from San Antonio Zoo will join in on this feast. Will your ex be offered to our animals? Tune in this Valentine's Day to find out. How to watch the feeding event. So they will be hosting it at the zoo. Of course, if you're there in uh, San Antonio, you can go to the zoo. But if you can't make it, they will be streaming the feedings on uh, Facebook Live. So look for the San Antonio Zoo Facebook page and you can watch it there. So... You can join their live cockroach uh, feeding event. It closes, their promotion closes on February 13th at 5 p.m. If you want to buy yourself a cockroach to have eaten. Uh, only names submitted through their website will be featured through the promotion. All names will be submitted anonymously and only first names will be displayed during the feeding event wouldn't that be funny if they had like if you you had full names up there and then you, your friends were watching anyway so uh there there's an an idea if you want to feel better on valentine's day and you don't have a partner or something and you have an ex that you do not like all right uh what is the ideal length of first dates that's a that's a good question you ever ask yourself that like how should you have a dinner date? Should it be a short coffee date? What do you think? Uh, and sometimes dates, I don't know if you've ever been on a date that just lasts way too long, like one of those awkward dates and you kind of knew at the beginning and it's just like, Oh no, 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 this is way, 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 uh, too long. So this, uh, columnist, Gabby Conti, who writes for Cosmo, Cosmopolitan magazine, uh, she thinks she found a formula for the ideal length of a first date just to avoid these kinds of issues. So she uh, basically did her own little uh, research and uh, she writes uh, that the number, the ideal length is 57 minutes, 57 minutes. Here are her reasons for thinking this. First dates are for gauging interest. You really don't need more than an hour to judge whether you find someone attractive and or interesting. This rule gives you an easy out if ever the date isn't going your way. You can let the other person know about your first date rule in advance. So you can say, my first date rule is a one hour date, you know, could be a coffee date, whatever. And you can duck out after an hour if it's disappointing. If the date goes well... You'll be building anticipation for an amazing second date. But if you spell out your rule, just a little side note here. If you say on a date, these are my dating rules, do not break your own rule. That says something about you if you break your own rule. So do not break your own rule and then create that wanting more effect. All right. And she did this by, for herself for an entire summer. She followed this uh, 57 minute first date rule. And uh, she says, I don't dread going on first dates anymore. She's like, she felt it was very liberating. So there's something that you, uh, 
that you can try. <laughs> Texter writes in, first date McDonald's every time. That way you can improve later. Sure, set your bar real, real low and then uh, build from there unless the person judges you for, for that. How about a coffee shop? I don't know about McDonald's. I don't know. Um, who experiences more loneliness, men or women? What do you think? I think, uh, well, let's tell, let me tell you what the research shows. So this new research explores the development of loneliness in midlife and old age. It's a new research that's published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology that looked at the development of loneliness across the lifespan. The researchers found that the trajectory of loneliness in midlife and old age depended on a person's gender, with men experiencing more loneliness in midlife and women experiencing more loneliness in old age. So they saw substantial gender differences in age trends in loneliness with steadily increasing loneliness from age 40 to 80 for women, whereas men's level of loneliness followed a U-shaped curve with highest loneliness levels at age 40 and 80 and lower levels in between. That's interesting. Um, they also found that social and environmental circumstances contributes to the development of loneliness in late, later life. They write... Analysis revealed that having a disability, not having a spouse or a cohabitating partner, and having experienced widowhood were each associated with reporting higher levels of loneliness. They also found that people who scored high or higher on the personality traits of emotional stability and extroversion experienced less loneliness overall and less of an increase in loneliness during old age. So we know that women, why they experience less loneliness is women turn to other women for support, right? We were taught this at a very, like very early on. Women have uh, a, a support system. They talk about their feelings. They talk about the, their, their loneliness or their pain with other, uh, other women. So whereas men tend not to have that same social network. I'm not saying, you know, across the board, everybody, but generally speaking, this is how it's been for a long time. We're just socialized in that way. Hopefully that's, that's changing and men are having closer relationships where they can share more of their vulnerabilities. Um, but that's, that's one of the reasons why women tend to reach out uh, easier and men tend to focus on their partner as their source of socialization, basically. So there's a bit of a difference with that. Uh, coming up, talk about Tinder that has now announced a panic alarm for users. So you can actually alert the police of dangerous dates using this app. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Passion Poet weighs in. Too many online daters with too many fakes. Most single men there are all on the take. Messaging has no expression. The words have no voice. All looking for same thing. It's all the same choice. Just meet for a coffee. Just a one hour hello. Do not commit to a second date. Then a goodbye and 
go. You know, you should write an ad for these people who, uh, you know, may, may start this, uh, I don't know, an app or something. Here's a, here's an app for you though. Tinder announces a panic alarm for users to alert police of dangerous dates. Now there have been some scary stories surrounding dates that people meet on, on Tinder. Okay. Not the usual thing, but it does, uh, it does happen. So the app has announced that it will soon provide a host of updates to ensure the safety of its users. Uh, They are planning to introduce a panic button on their app, which would enable people to discreetly contact emergency services if they suspect any potential danger. They apparently have teamed up with a company called Noonlight, a connected safety platform to implement this safety feature. Noonlight acts as a silent bodyguard in situations when you're alone or meeting someone for the first time. Now, when a person activates the noon light alarm, the app will prompt the user to submit a code. In case the person fails to type the code in, a dispatcher will send them a text. And if that goes unanswered, the company would immediately alert the authorities. I don't know. I guess they would have location. Uh, I'm not even sure. Apart from the silent bodyguard security option, users would also be able to submit details, including names and locations of their upcoming dates. Um, They say this is a first of its kind added security measure for the dating apps users who make the transition of connecting with their dates from online to offline. Tinder will also be introducing verified Profiles, which would include blue check marks on user pages similar to Instagram and Twitter. To be eligible for this check mark, one would be required to go through a photo verification process to prove that they are who they are, who they claim to be on the app. The other thing, they're going to have an option which users can report offensive messages from uh, their matches. So uh, there's a feature called Does This Bother You? And an undo option asking users if they wish to take back a potentially inappropriate message, which will be there. So lots of updates coming up um, on Tinder. <laughs> text writes in, I am the panic button for a single girlfriend. On a first date, I go to the same location with my car. If she is not comfortable, she presses a button on her phone. I see call the, I see calling line ID. I go in and act like she's an old friend I ran into. Ooh, that's interesting. It happened it happened only once. So one time then you had to go and rescue uh, your friend. That's interesting. And by the way, that's really uh, taking uh, safety precautions, which everybody should do. Is If you're meeting a stranger, please tell someone where you're going to be or who this person is or what their profile is. Like share that information so someone has an idea and maybe they can check in with, uh, on you by text at some point in the evening or something. Like be safe. You, you think, you know, people, because oftentimes, you know, you've been writing, let's say back and forth and back and forth. So you think, Oh, I really know this person or this person. We're so much alike and we have so much in common and you don't know them from nothing that you, until you meet, you don't know if this person is fake. You don't know. You, you really, you know, very, very little. So, uh, just to, I'm not saying that in most cases you're going to get 
it's going to be a bad experience. No, but in the off chance, it just takes one one crazy person or one fake person or whatever it is to uh, to make trouble. So you just have to uh, you just have to be careful. So last week we talked about um, Gwyneth Paltrow's candle, This Smells Like My Vagina candle. Apparently there's now a candle called This Smells Like My Penis. Yep, you bet. This is a new craze by a Canadian ad agency called Taxi. They made a website calling itself This Smells Like My Penis. There's actually a website and is taking genital sense to the next level and is set to cost, get this, uh, $100 per candle. You can only register your interest in the candle on their website for now, but the site has explained why the penis candle is more expensive than the vagina equivalent. The description reads, That's because even though it's illegal in Canada to pay women less than men, the gender pay gap smells as strong as ever. On average, women still earn 75 cents for every dollar men make. It's time to burn the gender pay gap. On the reverse of the candle, it says, burn this candle for the scent of women getting paid 70 cents on the dollar. I am a little skeptical about this. You, how many people you think are going to buy this? But they say they will be sold and is in production. I'm curious to know who's, first of all, whose penis is it going to smell like? First, <laughs> right? Ah, uh, text writes, even upon meeting and uh, dating, you still don't know someone. Uh, no, you, you don't, you can't really know someone right off the bat. So it takes time to, um, assess. And when you're dating, you are basically assessing, judging, if you will, but you need to for yourself. You've got to know is the, is this, is this person a right fit for me? Um, a texture says my penis smell is very close to cooked bacon. <laughs> Better be careful. Someone might chomp down on it. Uh, if my penis smells, I go see a doctor. Yeah, I think you better if it's got such a smell for sure. Um, are you still thinking about your ex? So here's something, and it has to do a little bit even with the loneliness stuff that I was talking about, but there was a study done in Austria that looked at the strategies that we use to recover from a breakup. And the strategies we use are very different, men and and women, that is. Um, Researchers found that men were much more likely than women to think positively about their ex. In particular, the men still clung to the hope that they might get back with their former loves. Meanwhile, the women tended to make a clean break from the relationship by focusing on the negative qualities of their exes and dismissing their positive aspects. The researchers also found gender differences in the types of coping mechanisms people used after a breakup. Specifically, the men were more likely to adopt lose-yourself strategies like working long hours or engaging in extreme sports or by numbing the pain through alcohol or drugs. Men were also more likely than women to jump into a rebound relationship even when the long-term prospects were not good. 
In contrast, women tended to seek out social and emotional support from friends and family. They also gave themselves time to heal before making themselves open to the possibility of a new relationship. And I talked about uh, the social network perspective. So it makes perfect, perfect sense, right? You Women usually have more friends and stronger emotional ties with them than uh, men do. And because they're accustomed to sharing their emotions and concerns, they talk. But men tend to lead more solitary lives and to have more competitive relationships with other men. They're also more dependent on their mate for social and emotional support. So when a relationship breaks up, they may lose the one person they felt comfortable opening up to. They also showed that the study that men and women differ in the way they perceive the cause of relationship breakups. For women, the cause tends to be seen as clear. It's his fault. Uh, This clear-cut explanation for the demise of the relationship helps women make a clean break so that they can move on with their lives. Men, though, and this I've heard, often claim they have no idea why a relationship broke up. They can't blame their ex since they still hold out hope of reuniting with her. And, of course, they're unwilling to blame themselves. Not even the women do that. (laughs) Without a clear perception of what caused the breakup, men have a harder time moving on. I find that really interesting. Remember, this is a study. Okay, there was about a 1,000 participants. It's it's peer-reviewed and it's scientific. It's well done. Uh, So... um, but it is generalized, Uh, but nonetheless, does this make sense to you? Would you uh, agree with that? Uh, Coming up, Safer Internet Day is on Tuesday, February 11th. Do you want to tell you a little bit about how you can protect your kids or or what you can do to educate your kids about um, like sexuality and safe, like safety on uh, the internet. Some tips uh, given out by Dr. Laura Berman that I will share. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. On Tuesday, February 11th, it is Safer Internet Day 2020. It's a National Day of Awareness and Education. And um, they also talk about sexting and pornography. With these numbers, one in seven teenagers say they have sexted a girlfriend or boyfriend, and one in eight have shared these sexts with other people without the sender's consent, or they have been victims of this betrayal um, themselves. So uh, Dr. Laura Berman, who's well-known in the field of uh, pop psychology anyway, I wrote a book called Talking to Your Kids About Sex, Turning the Talk into a Conversation for Life, and says Safer Internet Day shines a light on the harm of online pornography, revenge porn, and sextortion. So she has some advice for parents on things you can tell teens in regards to staying safe online. So I'm going to share these uh, her uh, tips with you. Uh, Talk to your kids about sextortion and revenge porn. Start by mentioning a case you heard about. Revenge porn, like a tragic case that led uh, led to a teen's bullying or even suicide. Talk about how scared and sad uh, that made you. Rather than focus on saying, don't you dare sex, 
frame the conversation as sexting can be really dangerous and here's why. Make it clear that they can always come to you uh, for help. This is something they really, really need to hear because teens can be quite secretive and closed off by nature. So as parents, we have to work super hard to make sure that they know we are a safe place to land. Uh, Teach consent. When we talk about sexting with our teens, we tend to warn them away from putting themselves in danger, but we also need to talk to them about how to look for consent and respect consent. Uh, sending around unsolicited sex to people without consent is a criminal act in many many areas, and in here Canada too. And looking at sex or sharing sex that weren't sent to you is consensual is non consensual sexual activity, and it could even be a crime if the person is underage. So you really really need to talk about this. Another uh, tip is talk about porn. You have to talk about porn ag- and again, not you can't just say don't look. It's not good enough because it's literally everywhere all the time. It's on their phone, laptop, whatever. It's a few clicks away. You can say don't look, but say more than that. Talk about how watching porn can literally change a developing teen's brain and make it harder for them to be able to perform and enjoy sex with a real partner. Talk about how it can dampen their ability to enjoy sex later in life. Talk about how porn is unrealistic in terms of body types and and sex acts and the way women respond during these acts. I think that's really, really important. And finally, come from a place of confidence, not control. You have to have faith that your kids are good humans, but curious humans nonetheless. Humans who are going to be exposed to so much more sexual media content than we ever were, but we don't have to despair or resort to control or force trying to hide our kids from the world or punish them for their natural curiosity. But we can give clear, concise guidelines and help be a lighthouse for them as they navigate these choppy adolescent waters. When we parent from confidence, not control, our teens feel the difference and respond in turn with more honesty and on and uh, openness. I, these are great words of, um, of advice. Uh, let's see. Early, uh, this is a text, earlier on his show, John Paul stated you shouldn't keep any pictures of your ex once married, and I disagreed, stating that we all have a past, we are entitled to honor if we choose to, and that there's a clear distinction between still being in touch with an ex and merely possessing their picture in your photo album, which a mature adult should be able to consequently distinguish. What's your opinion on the matter? Um, I, listen, I have... I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people that has hundreds of albums, photo albums. I love pictures. I have photo albums uh, dating all the way back to childhood. And many of those contain pictures of exes. Everyone I ever dated is in those pictures. I am not going, and my husband never asked me to. He has pictures, he has albums of pictures of women he dated. <laughs> uh, I don't have an issue with that. Like you say, everybody has a pass, but I'm not sitting there looking at these pictures over and over again and pining for a past. Like that just doesn't happen, but they are part of the, the tapestry of my life. And I think uh, my partner has no problem with that. And I, and I think we should honor that for, for each of us that we have before we came into a relationship, we had 
we had already a tapestry. We just now create more pieces to this tapestry in our life with our, uh, our partner now, right? So, yeah, I guess I disagree with, with, uh, with John Paul saying you shouldn't keep any pictures of your ex once married. I don't, uh, subscribe to that. And that would be complicated. That's a, you know, you might have to get rid of a lot of pictures and I don't know who likes to do that. Uh, that is someone you once loved and had many fond memories. Nothing wrong with nice memories. I agree with you. I, I think uh, there's nothing wrong with nice memories. They make you who you are in, in the future. I think that when you love someone, you always have a like your heart, you know, little pieces of your heart are taken up by past loves that doesn't mean you love your partner less or that that your partner now isn't the the love of your life or or whatever it is i think it's uh just it's absolutely uh possible uh lori i'm just curious to know if you heard the reviews pertaining to the taboo exhibit the show that took place a few weeks ago and whether it's the first time it ever took place that i'd never heard of it prior to as compared to salon de l'amour just to put you on the the, the track, the taboo, it's called the taboo show because it was bought over. The Salon de l'Amour et de la Séduction was bought over by a new company that now does these, these taboo shows all over Canada. So they just rebranded and called it, uh, something else. So I have not attended, uh, in the last, uh, two years, I don't think since they, since it was switched over. Um, I just haven't been a part of it for various reasons, but so I, I'm, yeah, that's, it's the same, but, but basically it's, it, it's probably run in the same way. Maybe they bring in different acts, maybe that are not necessarily Montreal based, but more, um, Canada wide. I'm not sure. Um, so yeah. Uh, let's see. Hey, how about not sending naked pics to people and making porn vids real simple? Well, you know, if you're making porn videos, that's, uh, can be used for sextortion as well. So not the uh, best idea. Uh, one thing I learned as a male, women may have issues with certain things. We see them as small and insignificant and tend to ignore, but they pile up over time. Then suddenly it is a small mountain of things she will not tolerate anymore. Then guys are in shock that she breaks off. We wonder why, but she told us we just didn't listen. I am the first to admit men can be morons. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, you're, I don't want to say men are morons because that's not true. However, I have learned from working with men and women and couples that that is exactly what happens is that it isn't one big thing that, uh, lead women to leave. And by the way, 85% of divorces initiated by women. Um, and it's usually, and, and the men are often blindsided by it thinking like, why now? Like, I don't understand like what, what went wrong now? What did I do wrong? And it, it is an accumulation of all the things that maybe she has complained about and have not quite been addressed. And at some point it's a, it, it, it's a give up. It's a, you know, I just can't tolerate anymore. And, and so men feel like, I don't understand. Like, what do you mean? So that's not true of all cases, but, but it does happen. Uh, it, it definitely happens that way. Uh, and, uh, lastly, oh yes, this is interesting. So 
we are in uh, Amazon did a thing, uh, Amazon Canada's annual list of the country's most romantic cities. You know how they do this? They find out in from which cities people are buying the most romantic movies, rom- romance novels, jewelry, relationship books, and sexual wellness products. So that's how they deem it. So, um, so what happens? Lachine, Lachine was named the most romantic city in Quebec. <laughs> Lachine. Uh, next up is uh, Saint Laurent. Oh, actually, they came in at number three. Uh, Hull was a new entry to the list, ranking as the second most romantic city in Quebec. Um, and Ottawa, Ottawa reached sixth position in uh, 2020. So. Lachine, they're buying a lot of sex toys and romance novels and romantic things. There you go. That's very interesting. Anyway, I think uh, that's about it. That's uh, that's my day. I hope uh, I, I hope you all have a, a good weekend coming up and rest up. I think I need my rest uh, this weekend. Hopefully, the snow will stop. I want to thank you all for being here for me, and uh, you have no idea. It's uh, such a pleasure talking to you and getting your texts, and and just uh, I I really feel like this passion group here is like a, a small community, and I I really love you all for it. I really do. Uh, thank you to our technical producer Chris Aiken tonight. Thank you to our passion researcher Linda Delisi. You can connect with me on uh, social media at Dr. Lori Betito, L-A-U-R-I-E-B-E-T-I-T-O. You can also go to my website, drlori.com, where you can uh, listen to my TED Talks there. We're almost at a million views on one of them. Help me reach a million views on, on YouTube. Uh, I would be forever grateful. I don't know why. I just want to reach that million just for the fun of it. But we're almost there. Almost there. So go help out coming up next here on cjd we bring you the ctv national news have a great rest of the evening a fabulous weekend and remember to live your life with passion hey girl,